Uh, my name is Jeremy McGee. For those of you who don't know me, uh, Brandon kind of introduced me. Uh, I'm also on staff here part-time at the church as our local missions guy. So kind of what I'm going to talk about today is, uh, is kind of near and dear to my heart. Um, we, uh, we're going to talk about freedom today. So how many of you would say that you're, probably your most favorite thing about living in the United States would be our freedoms that we have? Would that be? Yeah, yeah we, love, we love the freedoms that we have. I want to read to you. Uh, we just celebrated the 4th of July, which is our Independence Day. I want to read to you the, declar- the first of the Declaration of Independence, just to kind of get our minds going in the right direction this morning. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, that's good, with certain unalienable rights, that among these are, catch these, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We, we love that last part. And so our Declaration of Independence sort of speaks to the freedoms that we have. Those, free, those freedoms that we have um, in, in these documents also give us personal freedoms. Um, we have a few pictures here that I think would kind of speak to our freedoms that we have. We, uh, we have the right to live wherever we want to live, you know, or build a house any kind of way you want to build a house. Okay, if you want to build it upside down in America, you can do that. Hey, whatever you want to drive, you can drive. If it happens to be a high heel with three wheels, you can do that in America. Okay? Our pets, we can, we can cut our pets' hair any way that we want to. And people do that, right? How about our kids? We're free to have kids, and we can, we can do their hair any way we want to, right? I wouldn't do that, but, you know, you can do that. So this morning, I want to talk about the freedoms that we have, but I want to take a look at our freedoms in sort of a biblical way. We're going to see what Paul has to do, has to say with the freedoms that he had in Christ and who he was and how he leveraged those freedoms to, you know, to be the Apostle Paul. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23, 9, 19 through 23. And it starts off like this. And this first verse is just so countercultural to where, where we're at today in America. Um, and it says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might w- win more of them. And that's Paul's kind of his purpose statement. Okay, let's, let's go back. We're going to talk about each verse kind of just as we go. Um, so you see Paul's freedom here. He says, though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. Okay, that's, that's paradoxical, paradoxical to us in America. But uh, even in the church, that's kind of countercultural, which is a little sad. But so how was Paul free? Paul was free. He was a Roman citizen. Paul was a Roman citizen, so that had certain rights. He couldn't be tried or or, he couldn't be persecuted or even killed without a proper trial. Um, Paul was free in Christ, so he was free from the ceremonial law um, and all that, the dietary laws. He was free from all that kind of stuff in Christ. Um, Paul was an apostle. That gave his, his words a certain clout and a certain freedom. So Paul, having all this freedom, what does he say he does with it? He said, I have made myself a servant to all. And what's his purpose? Why is he doing this, this countercultural thing? That I might win more of them. 
So Paul says, I take my freedom and I set it to the side and I become a servant to all that I might win more people to Christ. Now we know what, what an evangelist Paul was. But Paul says, I'm not going to stop here. I want to win more people to Christ. I want to set my freedom aside and I want to serve others. Okay, now when Paul wrote this, I think he planned on it being preached because it just lays out so perfect. Um, there's actually four people in these verses. As we walk through it, you're going to see that Paul knows. They're kind of people groups that Paul kind of hangs around with and sort of entered into a relationship with. Uh, the, first, uh, the first person can be found in verse 20. Verse 20, it says, To the Jew, uh, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. Okay? Before, we, before we talk about that, all these people that we're going to talk about today, I want to tell you three things that we know to be true about Paul. Paul will never, ever, ever water down the gospel, compromise the gospel at all. We know that, okay? And we're not to do that either. The second thing is Paul's not going to sin. When he says all things to all people here in a little bit, when he's entering into these people's lives, setting aside his freedom, he's not sinning in any way. And then the third thing is Paul is not violating anything in his conscience. And what I mean by that, okay, there's certain things in the Bible that, that are the kind of gray areas, even within our life, our modern-day lives. And if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit will convict you about certain things that may be kind of gray in so, you know, as far as being sinful. One person may be able to do it, may be free in Christ to do that, but maybe the Holy Spirit has laid on you. You know, this could be alcohol, this could be certain movies, Paul never violates those special kind of things in his life that the Holy Spirit's talking to him about, okay? So just remember that as we kind of walk through this. All right, so to the Jew, Paul is talking about not necessarily the religious Jew, but sort of the cultural Jew. I mean, he is talking about religious Jew, but there's a certain cultural context that he's referring to here. And so Paul's um, sort of MO, when he entered into a certain city, like the city of Corinth. He would go straight to the synagogues, begin preaching the gospel, and start just getting to know people, okay? Getting to know people, sort of injecting himself into their lives. And so without a doubt, you know, let's just say Paul is getting to know these group of guys, and they invite him to a Rosh Hashanah party. Let's just say it's Rosh Hashanah, and they're celebrating that. And, and Paul says, though I am free in Christ to bring the pulled pork sandwiches to the Rosh Hashanah party... I understand that, hey, that may not be the best idea. So Paul's bringing the falafel and the matzo ball soup and says, hey, you know, I, I, I'm free to do this, set my freedom, my pulled pork freedom to the side, and I'm going to enter into these people's lives and their tradition. And so person number two, this is in uh, verse 20, the second part of verse 20. He says, to those under the law, I became as one under the law. We're going to get a, a lot of under the law here. Though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. Okay, a lot of under the law there. Basically, under the law means it is the Jewish religious person, but this is sort of the self-righteous, sort of Pharisee. We'll just go ahead and call it the Pharisee. And so Paul doesn't come in with into these relationships with you know, this silver bullet verse saying, oh, you know, I remember I wrote in Ephesians that, of course, Ephesians hadn't been written yet, but, you know, that, you know, it's not, it's by the grace of God that you're saved. It's not your works. You know, he didn't come in with all that stuff that he knows to be true 
But he just comes in just, just wanting to love and serve these religious people. Jesus would call these guys the spice rack tithers. You know, you remember that? So they got like 10 bay leaves. We'll let them take one and sit it off to the side for the Lord. You know, they were like ultra-religious, you know, works righteousness. And Paul didn't come in and just hammer them about it, but he lovingly served them. Okay, so we got those guys. We got person three, okay, in verse 21. This is the Gentile. All right, verse 21 says, To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside of the law. Now, there's a lot of talk about law here. All this means is this was people outside the law. These are Gentiles, non, non-Jews. And so... Um, if you let me give you a little background on the city of Corinth. The city of Corinth, this would be like let's just say, uh, let's just say that Merrick and Brandon, we have appointed them to go to Las Vegas, and they're going to plant First Baptist Las Vegas. That would be the modern day equivalency of Paul planting a church in Corinth. Okay, these guys were it's multicultural, kind of um, very sensual, um, very lustful, just. Man, the things of the world, whatever, it didn't matter. And so Paul is just wading off into this culture like this, um, just desiring to be uh, a servant to all of them. Um, To give you a little more context uh, about what Corinth was like, there would, uh, if you were a male, you could go to any one of these temples that they had in Corinth and you could get a male, I mean, uh, you could get a prostitute. You know, I mean, that wouldn't, you know, what kind of sense does that make? But they thought, hey, that's cool. You know, we get them to come to church. We have prostitutes here. You know, they, they would have three and four day parties that just lasted, you know, it seemed like forever in the church or in the temple. So you kind of get an idea of what Paul is up against. You know, these are not like the religious Jews when Paul's just willing to just wade off in it and just love them and serve them. Okay, and then we have here in verse uh, 22. We have the fourth person, and it says, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak I have become... Well, we'll stop right there. To the weak I have become weak. Now, there's, there's kind of two, two sort of opinions that commentators have about the weak. So Paul talks a lot about the weak in Corinthians, but when he's talking about the weak, he's talking about the, the Christians, people who are already saved, but they're weak. They're just weak Christians. Um, some, some commentators would say that that's what Paul's talking about here. I don't tend to agree with this because this is an evangelistic thrust right here. We're talking about people who are, who are not saved, right? And so I would agree with the second commentators. They're talking about people that, are, that have been pushed to the margins of society, who lack influence, who are poor and depressed. And I think this is what Paul is talking about. So Paul, you know, he just he enters into these people's lives so that he might win them to Christ, and he meets their needs. He, pays attention to what their needs are. And, and Paul would not come into them with his philosophical musings, though he could do that, though he was free to do that, not with his rabbinical knowledge, though he had plenty of that, but just, I just want to serve you guys in the hopes that I might win you to Christ. 
Okay, and then we get to the second part of verse 22, which I think uh, if you have a church background, a lot of you will be familiar with. And I love this verse because it just kind of puts a bow on top of, just ties it together and puts a bow on top of everything that Paul is saying here. And he says, um, he says, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. There's a lot of alls in there. But I think it sort of brings together what Paul is, is, is saying here. And again, this is so countercultural to who we are. We think, you know, I deserve and I have certain preferences, even in church, you know, and I kind of have these expectations of how I think. And Paul says, I just want to be all things to all people that by all means I might win some to Christ. Okay? So I thought about how, how do you make this practical? You know, and I love a good practical message. Um, and this is going to be a little atypical, and you're going to have to use your imaginations on this, and some of you that may be easier than others. But I want you to imagine if Paul was here in Ruston today, and we're going to talk about what would that look like if Paul was in Ruston today. Now, you have to use your imagination because Paul is 2010, 2011 years old, so he's an old dude at this point. But what would that look like? I want you to pretend like we've gotten Paul's day planner and we're looking at next week. Okay? Paul's, you know, he's a little older, so he doesn't have the iPhone, but he's got the day planner, you know, from back in the 90s. And so he's got it all written out, you know, what's going to happen this week. Monday, 5 a.m., okay? Though Paul has the freedom to sleep late because he's retired, you know, he's an older guy. He gets up at 5 a.m., goes down to Jefferson Corner to meet with some guys that he's been meeting with for two years now. And these guys are not saved, and they know that Paul's a religious guy, church guy. And this doesn't stop the guys, however, from, you know, having a dirty joke every now and again or for uh, maybe uh, certain expletives based on the current administration's shortcomings if you know what I'm talking about, you know how old men are. They get in there. And so Paul's just there to sort of listen. He's consistent. He's there every week, but he's just wanting to listen. And Paul's faithful about coming, and the guys know that they can count on Paul. One day, um, Frank comes to Paul and says, we've got some bad news. Frank is one of the guys from the coffee, from drinking coffee. He said, Got some bad news. My wife just passed away. And, and Frank was just devastated. And because, because Paul had paid his dues, you know who Frank comes to? Comes right to Paul. Because, fate, because he knew that Paul was a good listener. And Frank says, I don't know. I've been married for 53 years. I don't know how I'm going to be able to go on without my wife, my life partner. And Paul is there to just love and cry with him and to tell him, that his hope can be found in Christ if he would just turn his life over. Okay? Paul's a good listener. He sets aside that freedom to sleep in, and he's there. All right, Tuesday, 12 o'clock. Always Tuesday, 12 o'clock. Paul has lunch with his grandson. Now, his grandson's in college. He's a walk-on at Tech, wide receiver. Great athlete. Not a Christian, though. We're going to call this guy... This guy's... Is Zach. We're going to call him Zach. All right? And so Paul's just been hanging in there with Zach. He, 
you know, as Christians, we should have this sort of spiritual sort of sense about where people are at. And Paul understands that Zach has put his hope in football and not in Jesus Christ. And Paul understands that when either college are over, is over or Zach blows his knee out, that the world is going to come to an end. But Paul has been there. And Paul pays for the meal. And Paul says, wherever you want to go, every Tuesday, I'm there. And Paul is just biding his time until the Lord opens Zach's heart. Okay, Wednesday, 5.30, here at the church. You, you guys didn't think Paul was a Methodist, did you? All right, so Paul's here. So Paul's here. All right, and he loves the music and he loves the food and the fellowship and all that great stuff. But Paul, what Paul loves most is Harry. Now, Harry has been a member here for about 42 years. Okay, that's a long time for some of us. Some of us haven't even been on this earth that long. And Harry has some issues. So Harry's not very nice. As a matter of fact, Harry's pretty mean. Harry, let me give you an example of what Harry does. So Harry was running late one Sunday morning, and Harry sits right over here. And Harry gets to his spot, you know, and, and, go, and there's somebody sitting in his spot, and he panics for just a minute. And then he walks up, and there's two visitors, you know, God forbid. It was two visitors, and he, and he, he didn't know what to say, but he says, um, that's my spot that you're sitting in. You can sit anywhere else, but that's my spot. And so what do the visitors do? They get up and they don't even stay for the service and they leave. And so Paul understands that Harry has a church um, sort of routine, but Harry does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And nobody in the church really likes Harry because he's so mean. But Paul is patient and enduring and long-suffering and is hanging in there. And he'll tell Harry, hey, you're acting like an idiot. And Harry actually appreciates that, okay? And, and Paul is seeing Harry's heart become softened, right? He's hanging in there. Where are we at now? Thursday, 10 p.m., 10 p.m., Hot, uh, hot Wings and UFC. So they're going to, uh, they're going to Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> every Thursday at 10. What we don't know about Paul is he leads a connection group class for the college boys. And Paul says every Thursday, can't plan anything at 10 p.m., even though I'd like to be asleep because I got up, you know, early. Paul loads those boys up, takes them to the Buffalo Wild Wings. They sit and watch UFC Fight Night. That's mixed martial arts for those of you who do not know. And they eat wings. And sometimes this isn't over till 11 o'clock. But Paul knows because these guys, these guys are unchurched. They don't come to church for anything but any other reason that Paul spends time with them on Thursdays. Right? That gets them to come to church. These guys are unchurched. We'll hear more about that in just a minute. All right. Friday, 6 p.m., FBC Meal Ministry. How many of you know we have a meal ministry here? And generally it's two people who have just had a newborn. And so we get, Paul gets emails and signs up and says, hey, even though I'm single, not a very good cook, I am going to stop by KFC and bring uh, chicken and baked beans and potato salad to this family because I want them to feel loved. 
That, man, that is so simple for Paul to do, and he just he does it because he wants to be a servant. He knows that that's going to keep some people in church just simply because somebody at church brought them a meal. Okay? Saturday, 3 o'clock, 3 p.m. Uh, this will be near and dear to some of you. So Paul has grandkids, right? They would be actually great, 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 great grandkids. But anyway, we'll just call them grandkids. So Paul has grandkids. He has uh, five, I think, that are seven and under. So every Saturday at this time, Paul goes by and uh, picks his grandkids up, gives the parents a little bit of rest. We appreciate you, by the way, when you do that. And takes them for ice cream. Okay? Paul has, is legacy-minded. None of these grandkids have accepted Christ yet. Paul is a legacy changer, though. He understands that, that he can have an influence on these kids. And so he, what he does is he points the goodness of how good ice cream is and how much God must love us that he gave us ice cream. Amen? I think, Chris, if he was here, he would agree with that. And so... He's pointing everything that's good in these kids' life that they love back to God. How much does God love us that he, how much does God love us that he, and then he scoops them up and brings them back. But he's making a difference. Okay? Sunday, that's, uh, that's game day for us. Sunday, 11 a.m., Paul's in the baptistry, about to baptize three college kids because Thursday after after Buffalo Wild Wings, they had some questions for him. Three of the boys had some questions for him. We see what you're doing for us. Nobody's ever done that for us before. What's the catch? And Paul's able to share the gospel. They get saved. And Paul has the privilege of baptizing them. That's what it's all about. Being a servant, looking at your freedoms, setting them aside, your preferences, and saying, I love you. I want to enter into life with you. How can I help? Let's look at verse 23, and we'll tie this all together. Verse 23 says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. Okay, let's talk about the gospel. What are the blessings of the gospel? The blessings of the gospel, eternal life with Jesus Christ. Okay, the gift of the Holy Spirit to give us power over sin and death, all those wonderful things that come with the gospel. Paul says, I know people who need that in their lives, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. And it says that I may share with them in its blessings. I think that Paul here is associating his salvation with the fact that he loves people. So see here in the South particularly, we can, uh, you know, we all love God. If you were to ask the average Southerner, they would say, you, you know, I, do you love God? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, you know, you can't debate that. You know, you can't tell, ah, I don't think so. Let me tell you what Paul is saying here. Paul is, it says, my salvation is authenticated by the love that I have for other people. The fact that I would pour my life out for somebody else. Does this sound familiar? In Mark, when Jesus says, the Son of Man didn't come to serve, be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Paul is just following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. And so I want to ask you today, I want you to just quickly, just survey your relationships that you have right now. Just survey them. Take a look at them. 
What do they look like? Do the people that you're in relationship look a lot like you? Now, we love us some, we, some us, right? Because, you know, it's easy to get along with us. So we have people that, in our relationships that are a lot like us. Same skin color, go to the same church, you know, have the same thing in common. Because it's easy. But Paul would say, we're not looking for easy. We're looking for a dedicated servant. And so I want you today, you know, we're... I want you today just to, just to look at, at, your, at your relationships. Do they prove your salvation? Do your relationships prove your salvation? Have you led anyone to Christ? Ever? Have you seen somebody that you're in relationship with come to Christ? For us today in this church, the fact that we love people authenticates our salvation and should give you confidence. Okay, if you would be here to, to, today and say, ah, this is hard, we're not asking you to be a Bible theologian. We're just asking you to get off your rear end and just enter into relationships, hard relationships, but relationships that need to be entered into. And so I, I would just ask for all of us to look at that today. So as we, I want to close with this, and we'll, we'll close. This is, a, this is a quote from Martin Luther, the great reformer. He says, a Christian man is the most free Lord of all and subject to none. And a Christian man is the most dutiful servant of all and subject to everyone. That makes sense? It's a paradox. Let's pray. If you're here today and uh, you're looking at your relationships and they, they're just not proving your love for God, like Paul says, maybe you're here and you're just hearing this for the first time and something has struck a chord in your heart and you realize that you, your life does not belong to Christ, that you're not saved. I'd like to lead you in a prayer today. If your heart's ready, this is not magical words, but they are a symbol of what's going on in your heart. You can give your life to Christ today. You can say, Jesus, I admit to you that I'm a sinner, and I want to turn from my sins and follow you. I ask you now to come into my life Forgive me of my sins. I want to make you my Lord and Savior today. Father, I thank you for your word and how powerful it is and how it searches our hearts and really should just make us where we're not the same after we hear it preached. Thank you for your son and what the gospel means to us as Christians and how powerful it is. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Now Wayne's going to be singing or play, we're going to be playing the piano or something. This is a time of invitation. So I would ask today um, if, 
God is dealing in your heart. The Holy Spirit is kind of working on you, whether it's salvation or whether it's just the lukewarm sort of relationships that you have that every kind, everybody kind of looks like you. I pray that you'd look at that. If you need to come down and pray about that, if you want to talk to a minister, if today you want to come and join our church, we would love that. And now's the time to do that. Come down front as we play. Ministers will be standing by.